and pro. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Well, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer, and today we're going to, well, talk about how to cross the finish line in life. How to cross the finish line victoriously. And you might think, well, you know, I don't want to talk about that. We've got enough things to talk about concerning our world and all of the uh, great problems that we're having. Indeed, we do. On the other hand, how we respond in the context of all that is going on in our world may very well determine how you and I cross the finish line. Because there is a finish line. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And so we want to be ready. When I was in high school, uh, I was part of the high school chorus, and actually, in those days, we could actually sing songs from the Bible. We really could. And one of those songs was, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to walk in Jerusalem just like John. Well, here's my question for you today. Do you want to be ready? People are talking increasingly about how Jesus is coming. Just last evening, I was in a large meeting with uh, Glenn Beck, and amazingly, he was telling us live that we better get ready because Jesus is coming soon. Did you know that came from Glenn Beck, my friends? Well, it did. Just last evening, about 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But what does that mean? What does it mean for people to be ready? Well, we want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint, and I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, because this might be, for you, one of the most important programs we have ever done. And so in order to launch this program, I want to share with you the words from a very dear lady going back to 1996. Now, don't don't turn that dial. You listen carefully to these words. Because these are some of the most important words that have been declared in my lifetime in this country. I hope you'll listen carefully to the words of then Nancy Lay DeMoss. We've come together to seek the face of God and to cry out to him on behalf of our nation. We're acknowledging that there are no human solutions to the tidal wave of evil in our land. And that nothing short of divine intervention can overcome the darkness and the lostness of our world. But I believe we need to remind ourselves that there are some prayers that God will not hear. There's some solemn assemblies that he will not attend. And there are some fasts that are not pleasing to him. When the children of Israel came to fast and pray with unclean hands, God said, Though they shout in my ears, I will not listen to them. Though you make many prayers, I will not hear. In fact, the scripture goes so far as to say that our fasts and our prayers are actually an abomination to God if they are not accompanied with humility and repentance. We would all be quick to agree about the need for repentance outside these walls. But are we as quick to recognize our own need for repentance? 
We can readily identify the sins of the White House. But if we become blind to the corruption in our own house, we decry the sin of our world. But have we not tolerated virtually all the same sins in our churches? Tonight we face a danger of feeling that the problem is somewhere out there. In Washington, Hollywood, San Francisco, on our secular college campuses, or among nominal church members. But as we read the scripture, we see that the sternest words of reproof were issued not to the pagan world, but to the people of God. The prophet Isaiah calls out, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. How is the faithful city become an harlot? Neurologists are stunned. There we are, friends. Wow. Today on Viewpoint, surprising to you and to our guest were those words, because he was not there, to my knowledge, when those words were delivered, but he is now married to the woman who gave them. Her name was Nancy Leigh DeMoss, and it's now bearing the last name of Wolgamuth. Robert Wolgamuth is joining us here today on Viewpoint to talk about how to cross the finish line. And friends, that's exactly what Nancy was talking about. She was talking about the church being prepared. And the church is you and me. Are we really prepared to cross the finish line? The Bible says, begin at my sanctuary. Not with the pagans, not with the liberals, not with the abortionists, Slick Willie in the White House or Joe Joe Biden, but begin at my sanctuary. So are you ready? Are we ready? That's the question before us here today on Viewpoint. But we're going to talk a whole lot more about being ready in many different ways because it's appointed unto man and women once to die and after this the judgment. So we want to be ready in every recent every single respect, and Robert Wolgamuth is going to help us because when he married Nancy Leigh DeMoss in 2015, well, he was 10 years older than her. And what does that mean? Well, I'm letting you in on some secrets here because we all have to deal with these realities as time marches on. Robert, it's good to have you on the program, my friend. I am, I am, Chuck, I am laughing at you. You are amazing. So actually, listen to me carefully. I was 10 years older than Nancy when we married in 2015. And guess what? I still am 10 years older. You're kidding me. No, it's, no. You mean no, she's never she caught up? She hasn't caught up. No, sir. No. But what a sweet introduction. How fun to hear Nancy's voice. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Well, as I shared with you just a couple minutes before the program, uh, that particular uh, address that she gave to Fasting and Prayer 96, I believe is the most important address that's ever been given to the church in our time. And I'm going to share that with you after this program, uh, because there are a lot more 
personal things that I want to share with you concerning that. But those words set the stage, I believe, God's cry to his people, to his church, to his bride, to get their lives in order and be prepared. Okay. Now, have you ever been involved, Robert, in track and field? Yes, sir. You have. All right. Wonderful. Yes, yes sir. So the finish yes. line really means something to you, doesn't it? It does. I ran the 880 as a young man. Uh-huh. Um, which is actually, what, a half mile, right? Right. Well, that's um, that's a, yeah, a mid-distance run. And uh, quite frankly, you got to run it almost like a sprint. But you're going to finish oh, yeah. in agony, and that's why the finish exactly. line makes a lot of difference. We're going to talk about that when we get back from this break. Robert Wolgamuth joining us with his book, Finish Line. Aha. You're going to want to get this book, friends. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. It's such a delight, friends, to have you join us here on Viewpoint again as we rapidly approach our 28th uh, year on the air. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And uh, it covers almost the entire time since Nancy Lay DeMoss. In fact, it covers more than the entire time since Nancy Lay DeMoss gave that address in 1996 in St. Louis. But our guest today... Robert Wolgamuth, her husband, as of 2015, gave this introduction to his book called Finish Line. To Nancy, thank you for saying I do to a man 10 years chronologically closer to his finish line than you were. Loving him well and embracing the undeniable challenges this would mean. You are God's gift of grace in human lovingness. What a wonderful uh, presentation of the book, Robert. And uh, Nancy is uh, just a, a wonderful gift, uh, not only to you, but uh, to the church in America and to our world. And uh, we delight in that, and you'll delight in it even more, I hope, after the program. So, uh, you were you. talking about, uh, we were talking about our love for track and field, and you ran the 880, which is a grueling race. And when you when you cross that finish line, an awful lot of people are virtually collapsing on the ground. Uh, they made the finish line, hopefully, but uh, uh, it, it was an agonizing race. Sometimes life is like that, isn't it? Yes, it is. In fact, the original marathon didn't the guy drop dead after twenty six point two miles? I think he did. Well, that's <laughs> I don't right. Remember his name? That's right. Name, and but... and Charles, Doctor Charles Stanley, just dropped dead after ninety years in his race. Amazing. Yes, sir, he did. Yeah. What, what a remarkable pastor and minister and uh, Bible teacher he was. And every day, every day, we're giving announcements that people are dropping dead. Uh, and this is not intended to be a, a negative or morose thing. It's just part of life. And we're hearing of athletes 
people under 30 years of age all over the world just dropping dead, and there's no seeming explanation except for what many believe is something having to do with the so-called vaccination that uh, was mandated across the world. But we're not here to talk about that today. What we realize is that whether we're young or whether we're approaching the finish line that we would normally expect, God giving our limits to 70 years or if by way reason of strength 80 years and sometimes now longer because of uh, uh, medical uh, facilities and so on that we have available to us. But life is marching on, and it seems to me that if we're truly following Christ, we have to have somewhere in our minds and in our hearts that we need to be ready, because that time is coming. Amen. That is absolutely right. You you keep preaching, Chuck, and I'll turn the page. Well done. You're exactly right. <laughs> yes, sir, you are. You're well, exactly you were right. you were married to an earlier sweetheart. Uh, you you were never divorced. You were married to Bobby back in 1970, four years after my wife and I got married. And uh, you said that she had a bold testimony for Christ, and then through cancer, uh, you watched her waste away, and uh, that had to be terribly painful it was but because of the way she did that just mm-hmm. the, her the grace that she demonstrated the patience the lack of complaining she never complained um she her death and being her primary caregiver 30 months of sitting close by she completely took away any fear that i might have of, of death she was so courageous mm. Um, and she was so resolute. She knew exactly what was happening. And in fact, the moment before she stepped into heaven, she took me by the shirt, pulled my face in next to her and said, I love you so much. And she closed her eyes and died. Wow. So I had the privilege of actually stepping right up next to her and watching her walk into heaven. An amazing experience. And then you might know that two months before that, before she died, she told two friends that she wants me to marry Nancy Lee DeMoss. That is unbelievable. She did not tell me that, which, frankly, between you and me, I'm grateful for. That would have felt like an assignment. Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. But you had already met Nancy Lee DeMoss uh, back in 2003, right? I did. I was her agent. I was her literary agent. And so she and Bobby were friends. And, in fact, I was out of town uh, Nancy was in Orlando, where we live, mm-hmm. uh, speaking at a conference, and she visited Bobby, who had just started chemo treatment in 2012. So when I got home from my business trip, I said, well, how was your visit with Nancy? And she just said, it was wonderful. We sang. We prayed together. Mm. And then she said, listen to this. She said, when she hugged me goodbye, she wouldn't let go. Mm. And just think about this. This is 2012, and... Uh, in 2015, uh, 14, in 2014, Bobby stepped in heaven. 2015, I married that lady. Mm. So, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Right. God's sweet providence. We, we, we don't understand it, but we embrace it because Nancy and I wrote a book called You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we wrote that book, uh, four years after we were married. 
And that's true. That's true about us. It's true about the people that we love. You can trust God to write your story. You can trust God to write their story. So this is our story, and we hold it with an open hand. We're humbled and grateful for God's goodness and His grace mm-hmm. in, in writing our story. What, what else could I say? Well, this is not a story of uh, divorce and remarriage. This is a story of a woman who had never been married, Nancy Lee DeMoss, and your wife having passed away. And our vow to our spouses, as the Apostle Paul said, uh, is till death do us part. And uh, so you were faithful to that. Your wife was faithful to that. And uh, Nancy has been faithful in her life. And so then you began a new life together. And as you look back, and you're, you're looking back in your book and talking about how your, your wife, Bobby, lived in such a way that the glory of God could be manifest, was manifested in and through her life, so that when she died, it was like what Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth a harvest. Is that how you really see Bobby's life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, that verse, Chuck, was on the screen... We showed a video that I actually shot from our balcony in Florida mm-hmm. of Bobby walking past our house. She did not know I was taping this, filming it. And she was singing Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his... She was, she was singing that. Mm-hmm. I was able to record that. And then as she walks off the screen, black, then in white letters, unless a kernel of wheat falls on the ground and die, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds that was on the screen so that that actually was the verse that we closed her service with and and i couldn't be more grateful i mean the lord is so good well listen it's very interesting uh you you quoted that particular song we don't sing it much anymore but it's one of the most important songs of christian history as far as i'm concerned trust and obey because it links two words that are so critical to crossing the finish line victoriously. We have to Amen. trust and we have to obey. A lot of people will say, yeah, I trust God, but they don't obey him. A lot of people uh-huh. say, oh, that obedience thing is just legalism. No, uh, legal obedience is the one thing that God, uh, Jesus said was the most important thing to him. He said, if you love me, you're going to obey me. If you don't love me, right. you won't obey me. And yet the word <laughs> obey has fallen on such hard times, Robert, that numerous pastors and paratroop leaders on this program over the past eight years have testified it's the most hated word in the church. How can we possibly cross the finish line victoriously without trusting and obeying? Absolutely, we cannot. No, the Scripture's clear. So we embrace trusting. As I said, you can trust God to write your story. And then holiness and obedience Mm -hmm. is part of it. But it's not obligation. This is a love relationship, a love relationship. I'm faithful to Nancy, not because I'm afraid she'll catch me if I'm not. I love her too much to, to even consider anything other than faithfulness. That's, that describes our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our obedience is in response to our love for Him and His mm-hmm. love for us. And He went first. Right? Yeah, so, that's true. Right. And, that's- and the, the verse that we often forget about, when we walk with the Lord... In the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. 
When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Now, that's the life pattern to be prepared to cross the finish line, isn't it? Amen. It is. He is. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I mean, the scripture, when you peel back the layers of God's word, it's consistent front to back. Mm-hmm. And that's its message, right? We walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on, on his way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still. So, you know, it, it, Philippians 2.13 is one of my favorite go-to passages when it comes to God's will. Mm-hmm. So God, God, God is at work within us, helping us want to obey him, and then helping us to do what he wants. Yeah, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it. You're yeah. a King James guy, aren't you, Jeff? I hey, what can I say? It's more poetic. It's uh, it you is. know, it, it may not have been Thomas Nelson Publishers' uh, go-to version, but it's mine. <laughs> oh no, they all all those Bible publishers publish the King James, and it's still very, very popular. In fact, you know, it's I, still the my, most my popular daddy, version. It is. My daddy would pray when he would pray. He was a man of prayer. Mm. He prayed in the King James. Oh, really? Well, that's yeah. something I don't do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, thine, yeah. that was that was part part of his nomenclature when he was speaking to the Heavenly Father. So, all good. All good. All right. Now, the reason you wrote this book, and I, I want to make it available to our listeners here. Friends, it's a hardcover book. It's a, uh, it's it's yours for $24, but it's a $28 book, and it's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Uh, I, I urge you to get a copy of it because it's going to cover so many things that most people don't want to attend to in their life. And yet we must. We really must. And so uh, you're going to find in the balance of the program here today, there are so many practical things uh, that we're going to talk about. We've been talking about the spiritual aspect. We're going to be talking about practical aspects of what it means to prepare for, shall we say, our version of history's final hour. In other words, when we pass from planet Earth. The book, $24, on our website, saveus.org, finish line. You give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or call us at one eight. Oh, at uh, go to our website, saveus.org, and... Uh, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, dispelling fear, finding peace, and preparing for the end of life. Now, there are only two guys in the Bible that we know of that never died, Enoch and Elijah. We don't know whether they're going to be the two great witnesses that show up in response to the prophecy of Revelation chapter 11. We just don't know that. We can suspect it. We can surmise it. We can speculate it, but we don't know. Other than them, the Bible says it's appointed on every one of us once to die, and after that, the judgment. So when we live, we have to live in light of what the Bible calls the judgment. Now, what is that? Is that something to be feared? Well, I guess it depends on how we live, doesn't it, Robert? It does. It sure does. Just think of school and think how it felt when 
you walked into a classroom and you hadn't studied and you knew it, you were not ready for that test. How did you feel about that experience? How did you feel about your professor or your teacher? Versus being ready, having done all your homework, having studied, knowing that when that test is laid in front of you, you're going to do a good job because you're ready for it. So all of those things tie together. Well, they do. In fact, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but across the country, there is a trend now among universities and high schools even to get rid of standards. Uh, Even the uh, MCAT uh, and the LSAT for law and for medicine entry uh, tests are being eradicated or downplayed to allow more and more people in who are really not all that qualified. So I want to ask you a question, Robert. Is God going to downgrade his expectations for righteousness and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, in order to let more people in? In a word, no. Okay, that answers that question. And now (laughs) that was succinct, getting ready for this break, friends. We're approaching the finish line. Maybe you are. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Have you considered, friend, that... Your greatest ministry might be at the end of your life, that the greatest fruitfulness may not be in how just how you lived, but how you died. That's an interesting question, and it's been asked and answered by many. But today on Viewpoint, we're asking this question of ourselves. I'm remembering back our special guest, Robert Wolgamuth, by the way, with his book, Finish Line, and, Robert, I'm, I'm thinking back uh, during my early childhood, and uh, we used to spend time around the dinner table with a little plastic box with cards in it, small cards. On one side was printed scripture, and on the other side were printed quotations. And one of those quotations that I will never forget is, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now that has has echoed down through my mind, through my heart, through my life over these past many years, and the intensity of it is growing now that I have long since passed being a septuagenarian. Is that oh, natural? Is that heart. normal? Oh, bless your heart. Well, I was wondering, actually, I was looking on Wikipedia to see if I could get your birth year and now you've just told me that you're older than I am. God bless you. Well, I'm I was born on Flag Day, the year uh, before uh, Donald Trump. All right. Okay. For whatever right. that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, based on, I mean, the conversation we had just before the break, my guess is that you're not a big fan of participation trophies. Would, would no. that be right? No, no, and I don't um, think, I've never been a fan of grading on the curve. I was a, a school teacher for nine years before I practiced law in California, and uh, I was never a fan of grading on the curve. Uh, but now it's almost as if we're trying to eliminate grades altogether and uh, just base things on piece of people's feelings. Well, I was a good person. Well, I, I attended school, yeah. and, well, I went to church, so... Uh, I'm I'm on my way to the pearly gates. Is that how it works? Not at all. I mean, and there's there's no confirmation from Scripture that anything close to that is true. It's just not. So you know, in fact, just how often do we talk in church or do we preach in church about God's judgment? We don't. So it's it's the same it's, it's the same mindset, Chuck. That, that the uh, people getting participation trophies, thinking that they should get credit for just showing up, that's not it. And and our nation wasn't built with men and women who believed that. Mm-hmm. They, many died. Many died uh, spilling their blood for, for freedoms that we enjoy day after day. They they didn't get participation trophies. They, they won. They won the battle that they were fighting. And mm-hmm. How grateful are we that that is true? Well, isn't that what Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter, is all about? It is exactly right. The great hall of faith. Absolutely. And, and the Apostle and Paul, the... the Apostle Paul, I think, wrote uh, one of the, the greatest passages. I, I will never forget it. It echoes through my mind frequently because I do love track and field. He says, I press toward the mark. I forget those things that are behind because I can't do anything about them. I'm looking forward... And I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, that should be the motto of every believer, shouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, when I have the privilege of signing a book for somebody, this finish line book, I write 1 Corinthians 2.9, which is, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, how you talk about good news, and you talk about motivation mm-hmm. to, to press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, in fact, that was actually my late wife's favorite verse, because she was a singer, she was an artist, and, and she loved to plan and dream, and she loved the, the anticipation of heaven. So I have not seen art, ear has not heard music, Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I believe that. You believe that. That's our encouragement to the folks who are listening right now. And the purpose of our program here today is encouragement to prepare. It's exhortation. Uh, It's people get ready. Now what do we have to do? Spiritually, emotionally, practically, legally, and so on. We're going to get into some of those things now. Abraham was told by God that he was blessed to be a blessing. I love that. Blessed to be a blessing. So if we were to, shall we say, distill what should be happening in and through a professing Christian's life today, while he approaches the finish line, however close he or she may be, the calling is always, you're blessed to be a blessing, right? Amen. Amen. That, there's a whole chapter on that. In fact, 
I print in the book blessings to my five grandchildren that I have sent to them and have read to them. That's your children will never forget it. And in fact, the Bible is filled with stories about blessing being a thing. Mm-hmm. Just think about just think about Esau and Jacob. That was a that was a real thing. <clears throat> that, that the blessing was something that a son or a daughter longed for, mm-hmm. and it you know actually it it's not that hard. You have to take time to do it. But I tell the story about my paternal grandfather, just days before he died, putting his hand on my shoulder and giving me a blessing. I'll never forget that. Right, a man who walked with God, and I took that seriously. I took that as the voice of a patriarch speaking God's blessing to my young heart. Well, in fact, God calls every man, every professing Christian man, to move from mere boyhood to manhood and then become a patriarch. And I think that part of becoming that patriarch is to realize the importance of blessing your children and then your grandchildren. That's exactly right. And that's a celebration. You know, I tell the story at the end of the book, of Dr. Ed Heinsen. I don't know if you knew Ed. He's been on this but, program. Uh, oh, what a precious man. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if, if you know the story of his death. So and, and we know many of the folks in his family, they were in the hospital room. They just imagine it. They're in the hospital room, and they know that Ed is on the edge, right? He's about to step into glory. Mm. And, and they sang hymns, they prayed together, and when they realized that Ed was just about to die, just about to enter the presence of the Lord, they started to celebrate. Now, can you imagine the the people at the nurses' station going, "What in the world is going on down there?" They were cheering, they were yelling, they were saying, "Go, Papa, go!" <laughs> Knowing that he was about to cross the isn't that a great story? Well, it is. So, and you know, yeah. when my own father passed at ninety-two, he had been in ministry for seventy years, and wow. uh, when I was there in the viewing room and so on, for some reason, uh, I was kind of laughing and uh, joking with my siblings and so on. I think they probably thought it was strange. But my father uh, was dedicated, and when I spoke to, uh, at his funeral, at his memorial service, uh, I, I had asked the Lord, I said, Lord, who was my father from your viewpoint? And here wow. was his answer immediately. He said, he was a soldier of the cross. So I spoke on being a soldier of the cross. And there's a song that my father used to lead us in congregational singing. uh, Are you a soldier of the cross? Am I a soldier of the cross? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We could play name that tune, man. Isn't that great? great. Just like that one. You see what shit this is on the air. And uh, it, it, these kinds of conversations are precious to me because they unite memories across uh, so many different lines. And uh, so when you ask that question rhetorically, are you a soldier of the cross? That really is like the Holy Spirit pricking our own minds and hearts to say, are you ready to cross the finish line? Amen. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you're, you're one decision away from making that step. Just think of the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. And just just picture him waking up in heaven, right? 
and and he's having a conversation with the angels, and they're saying like, "Why are you here? You lived an awful life. You were a murderer." Mm-hmm. And he says to them, "Well, there was a guy in the center cross, and he said, I can come.' It's it's as simple as that. Now, the truth is that when you receive Christ at the end of your life, you miss an incredible opportunity for a, an abundant life. Mm-hmm. So now is the time of salvation. You don't wait. Exactly. To hear about the cross because you don't know, you don't know when your day is coming. No, you don't. How many Back. people have lost their lives? They left in the morning for work. They were 30 years of age and they never returned. Well, 30%, this is important, 30% of us will die with no warning at all. It'll mm-hmm. be a car accident. It'll be a coronary. It will be something sudden, 30%. So even though that's a smaller number, because 70% of us will have an exit ramp, we'll have some time. I don't know how long. You don't know how long. But 30% of us will die suddenly, just like you said. We'll get up, go to work, and never come home. So that's, that's even though finish line, you think of, well, that's for older folks. Well, maybe, or maybe not. <laughs> Absolutely right. not. When you hear the reports, uh, and, and we've echoed many of them right here on this program, of 20- and 30-year-old athletes in top condition over the past uh, several months that are just dropping dead all over the world. It's unprecedented. Can you say, can you, can you say vaccination? Uh, I think I already did. But uh, yes, that is the, and that's yes, why they won't it. do. That's why they won't do any autopsies. They don't want to validate what's really happening. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's unfortunate. Well, that's sobering. So, who who wrote Soldier of the Cross? Who wrote what? Are you a soldier of the cross? You know, I do yeah, not know. Isaac Watt. Really? Yes, sir. He did. Just think about that. <laughs> All That's, right. He wrote that 250 years ago. That's a great old hymn of the faith. It is absolutely, it. it's it's rhetorically powerful. Uh, it is, you're right. You, you like the way I express that as, as a writer and as a, as a publisher? I rhetorically do. powerful. Brilliant. Yes, sir. That's brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful word. You're hired. Okay, now, your wife, Nancy, heard of the passing of the wife of Jim Elliott. Talk about that when we get back to the break. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're talking today with Robert Wolgamuth. Uh, He is the husband of Nancy 
Lay, formerly DeMoss, now Wolgamuth, and uh, we've wound, wound her life in and through uh, Robert's book here, Finish Line, Dispelling Fear, Finding Peace, and Preparing for the End of Your Life. And uh, back in 1956, uh, I was 11 years old at that time, but this really reckoned, reckoned with me in my own mind and heart when I heard about the passing of Jim Elliott. He was a missionary in Ecuador. In 1956, he was martyred together with some of his buddies as a missionary. And he is the one who gave us the famous phrase, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. But then again, his wife passed away. Her name was Elizabeth. She passed away in 2001. And Robert, what was Nancy's response to that? Well, it actually, um, we we got the news. Nancy and I were in Charlotte visiting one of my daughters and her family. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually sitting on the deck of a, of a home that I owned. And so Nancy was staying there. I was staying with my daughter. So I was out on the deck drinking coffee early in the morning, and Nancy walked out the back door. She stood there, tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, Elizabeth Elliot is gone. The thing that, that's really amazing, and I, oh, I remember the day that you talked, that you mentioned when those five soldiers of the cross were martyred mm-hmm. in Ecuador. But so Nancy was weeping and, and told me that Elizabeth, Elizabeth was gone. She was in heaven. The wonderful thing about that, and this is like the full circle stuff that you and I love chatting about. But Nancy's radio broadcast called Revive Our Hearts mm-hmm. started on a Monday, September 2000, 2000 actually 2001, mm-hmm. uh, on, Mon- on a Monday, Friday, the previous, uh, the previous Friday, all the stations that carried Revive Our Hearts carried Gateway to Joy, which was Elizabeth Elliott's program. Interesting. So Revive Our Hearts, Nancy's program, was the immediate successor ministry, radio ministry, to Elizabeth Elliot. I did not know that. Just a few days apart. Yes, sir. Isn't that interesting? All all 400 stations that carry Gateway to Joy, and not Nancy's on a thousand, but all 400 stations, everyone, took Revive Our Hearts to replace that time slot that had been given to Elizabeth Elliot's Gateway to Joy. That does not Mm -hmm. happen very often in the radio business. No, absolutely not. So they did. They didn't know each other well, but they sure had great mutual respect. And this was a big deal because, as a as a younger woman, Nancy loved Elizabeth Elliot's ministry, loved the way she taught, loved her program, mm-hmm. uh, loved her heart for Jesus, loved her courage. You think about your husband being speared to death mm-hmm. on on a riverbank, and a year later you go back to minister to those very same people who murdered your husband. That was Elizabeth Elliot. Exactly. In yeah, other words, blessed to be a blessing, you wouldn't consider necessarily yeah. that your husband's death by martyrdom was a blessing. But in fact, right. had that not happened, uh, Elizabeth Elliot probably would not have been catapulted in ministry. And neither would the words of Jim Elliot have echoed down through all of these years since. Exactly he is no right. fool 
to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's right. That's right. So it's a heritage, and uh, oftentimes we do not know during our life what that heritage is going to be, do we? No. You know, you, you build your legacy today, or you build your legacy tomorrow. That's not something that's way out in the future because we don't know, as we've just said, when we're going to cross that line. Mm-hmm. So, so right now is the time to begin to get ready. In fact, you know this as an attorney. Far more people die without a will than those who have a will. That's exactly so right. Would, even lawyers. Even lawyers. Have, oh, boy, you would know, right? <laughs> so why would, you, why, why would you let a probate court determine what happens to your assets rather than making the decision before you step into heaven? Yeah. What ministries, your church, whatever, needs, needs to be blessed by your... Your your uh, funds. Your well, funds. a will will not keep you from probate court, but a trust may. There you go. Yeah, well, yeah. But I you know, where there's that. a will, there's a way. And uh, <laughs> if you don't have a will, uh, then the state is going to determine what the way is going to be. That's right. The That's state exactly has right. written your will. You know. It's called the yes, law sir. of intestate succession, and uh, it's not that it's unfair. It's just the way it is. So we right. have a choice. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I decided to grab, we already had uh, a will and a revised will and so on, but we decided it was time for us to seriously consider doing a trust. Now, not everybody should do a trust. It doesn't help everybody. But uh, we decided to do that, and we took it very, very seriously. Is this something that that you uh, would recommend to Christians to take care of by faith in advance? Absolutely. Here's what I call these four people in your life. Your pallbearers. It's a pastor <laughs> who's on, he's on speed dial on your phone. Mm-hmm. You can call him anytime you want. It's a doctor. I have my doctor, my general practitioner who lives close by on speed dial, a financial planner, and an attorney. Do I hear an amen? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially yeah. about the the attorney part. Yeah, I do. That's why I said that. Exactly. you got to have That's somebody right. to plea your cause. And you know what? Speaking of pleading a cause, uh, you may remember back uh, years ago, uh, it was a, a, a senator who was challenged why he would plead, why he in the criminal business had pleaded the cause of people that were guilty. And he said, well... The time is coming when we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're all going to be dead bang guilty. We need somebody to plea our cause. I thought that was pretty good. That's a great. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's right. Because of the righteousness that has been impugned to us, we will be not guilty. Do, Do I hear an amen? Absolutely. Now, clearing the air. Jesus made very plain. And this is. My wife thinks this is one of the greatest problems in the church today, unforgiveness. She said so many people hang on to what they consider to be their right not to forgive and to hold uh, bitterness and grudges and so on. But Jesus said, if you will not forgive others their trespasses against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Now, that's not preached very often because it doesn't sound very nice 
But that's what Jesus said. So it would seem to me that, Robert, if we're going to prepare the way in our own lives for our own personal history's final hour and the finish line, we're going to want to clear the air and forgive everyone that the Holy Spirit would bring to our minds that we're holding something against. What say you? Oh, man, I love this. Let me tell you a a story. In 2020, not only did the world suffer from a pandemic, I had two cancers completely unrelated to each other. Mm. So I spent quite a bit of time in the MRI tube. I don't know if you've done that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of Not for cancer, but I've been there. Oh, yeah. So here's my, and my younger sister told me about this, and I've not forgotten it. And actually, I look forward to the tube, believe it or not, because... She told me, and now I do this, I go into that tube, and it's got that clicking sound, and the, <laughs> the operator is talking to you through a little speaker, Yeah. and I recite Psalm 139, and I said, Lord, I'm lying there, this piece of equipment is looking inside, and it's searching my body, and I'm saying, Lord Jesus, search me, and, and let me know if there's any wicked way in me, and mm-hmm. if there is, I can mm-hmm. it. So I, that, that MRI is a great symbol to me of God searching me, not passing anything by, and mm-hmm. letting me know if there's something that he sees that I need to confess. See if there so be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. That That's is it. absolutely right on point. And you know what? I just <laughs> I want to know, I want to let you know, Robert, that I am thoroughly enjoying uh, this this. Uh, time of fellowship with you. This is true Christian fellowship. We're, I'm not looking to you to be an expert. We're having a brotherly conversation of those who have been, shall we say, around the horn a few times uh, as Christians and dealing with life where it is, where it counts, and having seen some really serious ups and downs. And uh, we want to be prepared, don't we? Yes, we do. And, and and knowing that there is a finish line, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, helps us to draw a focus on our need for fellowship, our need for confession. Uh, the, the, it's a good thing. In fact, I talk about how, how good things can come from death. For example, January 2nd in Cincinnati, a football player, an NFL player, made a, a routine tackle. He stood up, walked two steps, and dropped dead. And the whole world went to their knees. The players on the field mm-hmm. went to their knees. Remember that? I do. Yep. Uh, and 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 now the amazing thing is that he recovered, and uh, Jill Kelly, who is the wife of Jim Kelly, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame quarterback with the Bill with the Bills. She said the whole city of Buffalo were on their knees. And why was that? Because someone died. So well, isn't it amazing up. that somebody yeah. has to die in order to get the attention of the people? <laughs> That's what happened with Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all people unto myself. Now, you said something in your book. It is good. It's a quote. It is good to look death in the eye and constantly remind ourselves that our hope is in God who defeated death. I loved that phrase, look death yep. in the eye. If you're not Amen. if you're not born again, if you're not walking with the Lord in the light of his word, 
you're going to have some pretty serious reluctance to look death in the eye, aren't you? Absolutely. This is the, the chapter in the book called Dead, Not Dead. So Lazarus died, and then, of course, Jesus shows up, and he has this conversation with Martha, Martha outside the city, and she says, if you had been here earlier, my brother Lazarus would not have died. And and then she says, I know you're the resurrection and the life. So Jesus, John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the Scripture, he walks to Lazarus' tomb, he says two words, my favorite Chuck Swindoll quote, and there are a bunch of them, he's an amazing man. He said, if Jesus hadn't used Lazarus' first name, the whole graveyard would have emptied. <laughs> Jesus calls back dead people. Isn't that a great quote? That's hey, interesting. Lazarus, I'm talking to you, buddy. That's you. <laughs> well, here's something that uh, we want to go back just as, as we're getting ready to wrap up here. And... Uh, Remember, you're going to stay on on the line with me after the program because we have a few uh, personal things that we want to chat about that I think are going to be very, very interesting that I just prefer not to Great. talk about I can't here. Wait. Okay. Okay. So here's a song that we used to sing. We used to sing a song that says, "I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, come and follow Ooh. me. I'm bound." For the promised who, who land. Will, the line is, who will come and go with me? Yeah, that's right. Who will come and go with me? So that's isn't right. that really kind of a summary? Uh, our life is bound for the promised land. We're living in accordance with that expectation. And at the same time, we're beckoning others to follow together Amen. with us bound for Amen. the promised land friends are you Amen. ready to cross the finish line that's exactly what we're talking about here today with the uh, special book of robert wolgamuth i think it's going to be very encouraging to you it covers so many things that we couldn't cover here today on view practical things things that you need to consider about preparing for crossing the finish line $24 will put the $28 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org gives a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check and $5 for postage in Panley. And seriously consider becoming a partner, friends. Notice we have no commercial program, no commercial uh, support for this program. God's depending on you. And so are we. Let's cross the finish line together. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.